You're listening to Love Your City. It's a Movement Australia podcast. We believe that communities can be transformed as a unified church in every city or town lives and proclaims the gospel into every sphere of society. We'll tell stories from where this is already happening. We'll dig into the Bible to better understand God's heart for cities and towns. And we'll discuss practical strategies. Because no matter where you live, a gospel movement can happen. Recently, I had a Zoom call with Lloyd Cook in Stoke-on-Trent in England. And I'd just like to introduce you to him and to his very amazing story of how a city over a long period of time have come into a unity and a transformation. Lloyd is a senior executive of a group called Saltbox, which uh, works across the city of Stoke, uh, works very much with unity and works very much among the poor and the marginalised. Uh, Lloyd is also a senior leader in his local Methodist church and a senior leader among the Christian leaders of Stoke-on-Trent. So I'd just love you to listen now to his story. Thanks, Ian. It's great to be with you and greetings to uh, brothers and sisters in Christ in, uh, in sunny Australia. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been working at Unity um, across my city of Stoke-on-Trent um, for, for many decades now. In, in fact, back into last century. And um, Stoke-on-Trent is based in the Midlands. We're in between Manchester and Birmingham. We're a city of quarter of a million people. Um, about 130 Christian congregations. And uh, I've been working in terms of Christian mission and, and unity back since the 1980s and 90s. Um, but our story really, um, we focus on from 2001, because it was in 2001 that the, the Times newspaper published a national survey, uh, which looked at 376 towns and cities and uh, it came up with all sorts of socio-economic indicators to decide which was the best place to live in the UK and which was the worst. And wherever I go and I've talked about this uh, survey, the experience survey, people only want to know who's at the top so we know who can be jealous of. Um, they want to know where they are, how high or low. And of course, everybody wants to know who came last uh, because at least you want to know who you're better than. And back in 2001, Stoke-on-Trent was rated to be the worst place to live in uh, in the UK. Now, for those of us who live here, and I'm born and bred here and I love the city, um, we went, whoa, hang on, um, there's lies, damn lies, and then there's statistics. So actually there's more to this than meets the eye, and I don't think we're the worst. But what it did, it was the catalyst for getting the attention of many of us in the body of Christ. And um, it really was a wake-up call. And out of this, we organized a one-off prayer gathering, on uh, the 31st of October, 2001, Halloween. About 200 people came together. More importantly, as we met together, we met around 2 Chronicles 7.14. And so rather than bemoaning the fact that people are saying we're, we're not good or disagreeing with them, um, we actually said, what's our responsibility? And, um, and, and uh, we had a very significant gathering. The Holy Spirit moved very, very powerfully. We decided to meet again. And then we, and we ended up with a seven-year prayer journey of, of coming together every month, sometimes six, seven, eight hundred people. Um, very much humility was at the heart of this. There were meetings where there was great weeping, brokenness, crying out to God. Um, it became a concert of prayer. 
Um, most of us are used to these these days, but again, back in the early 2000s, that was very new to us, to learn how to worship, to pause, to pray, to reflect, to share, to pray creatively. Um, we started to pray for the different sectors of the city. Um, again, most of us are used to sectors um, um, or mountains, um, but God challenged us that for him, the issue was not the quality and quantity of the darkness, but the issue was the quality and quantity of the light. That for him, the issue was not the mad, bad, sad people, but was the God people because we were not godly enough. That actually, if the city was in a mess, then he held us um, responsible for that. Um, so we had a seven-year prayer journey. Uh, it really shook many of us. It shook me. Um, I'd spent most of my life working with Christians. And out of that felt a real call to engage with the city, to learn about my city, to map the city. We carried out one of the first ever faith action audits in the UK in Stoke-on-Trent. And out of that, what we discovered is the more we humbled ourselves and prayed, the more God seemed to give us more favour in the city. And um, doors started to open. And for years, trying to knock on the doors of the city and getting very little response, suddenly as we humbled ourselves and prayed, um, doors started to open. And uh, so I started to spend increasing amounts of time um, connecting with politicians and people in our city council, people in health and people in the wider voluntary or charitable sector. And indeed, my life got turned completely round. So I went from being someone who spent sort of 90 percent of my time with Christians um, to being someone who probably spent about 30 percent of my time with Christians and about 80 percent of my time with non-Christians. And those numbers don't add up. Absolutely. Um, but um, but yeah, so God opened doors of influence. Uh, the Faith Action Audit made a massive impact when suddenly people who thought that church was old and had nothing to say in the in the 21st century suddenly realized that there were 130 churches. We had 150 faith groups in total uh, that we were carrying out 500 community projects every week two, three thousand volunteers making a massive difference. And um, and so I was really, I guess, at the heart of um, trying to reach out and make a difference into the city, connect into the city. And so started to connect across the city, um, went from being a Christian in my jeans to being a Christian in my suit very often, meeting with senior leaders in politics, in media, in policing to ask the question, how can the church continue to uh, make a positive difference into society. And so that was a seven year journey from 2001 to 2008. From 2008 onwards, we, we changed the shape of much of what we did. Um, one of the great things that took place was that uh, some people felt a vision um, to launch um, a house of prayer called the Beacon House of Prayer. And if anyone's interested, as well as Googling Saltbox and see what we do, you can Google the Beacon House of Prayer in Stoke-on-Trent. And so they set up a day and night house of prayer, which made a, a fantastic impact, not only here in Stoke, but across the UK. And it's one of the leading houses of prayer, not only in the UK, but in Europe these days. Um, and I guess where we're at now, Ian, to bring us up to date, is that um, we are still trying to learn the lessons of what God did with us in those early noughties, that we're still trying to, um, as the body of Christ, work together in unity, uh, we're still trying to celebrate together, pray together, and many of us are still um, connecting into the wider city. Um, this whole connectedness and reaching out to the city is still what I call a minority sport. 
So whilst there's a number of Christians who are keen on it, um, we still have lots of congregations and we'll have lots of church leaders whose main focus is their own congregation. And they really don't see a call to that wider city um, context. But many of us still do. And that's the focus of us um, to focus on that. And I think, Ian, uh, to bring this to a conclusion, I think for me now, feeling a, a bit older than I was in the, in the day, I think we've been setting foundations and I'm expecting that hopefully in years to come, others will build on them. Um, and, and I think that God blessed us that he didn't mm. back in the 1980s and 90s and the noughties. He didn't give us the revival that we've been praying for, because I suspect that had he given us a revival, we would have wasted it on big church meetings and feeling very pleased that the church is full and people are coming to know Jesus. I think that God wants people to come to know Jesus, but I think what he's about is he wants to see our world transformed and our cities transformed. And therefore, if, we'd have, if it had given us revival, we'd have wasted it on big church meetings. I suspect that hopefully a revival will come one day, and I pray that it'll be in my day. Um, but that revival is not just about full churches. It's about a transformed business sector, a health, transformed health sector, transformed uh, media and politics sectors, law and order, that he wants to transform the whole of society. He'll bless the church. He'll bring people to know Jesus. But he wants to transform the whole city. And I suspect we've been learning the lessons, which hopefully other people will build upon in future generations. Yeah. Uh, that's brilliant, Lloyd. Thank you very much. So uh, follow on question, the obvious one. You've explained briefly the bottom of the table. Uh, how does Stoke-on-Trent look now, even though everything's far from perfect, obviously? How does it look now in comparison to what people thought it was uh, 20 years ago? Of course, now we're right at the top and everyone loves us. No, we're not. <laughs> um, change comes incrementally. Um, Stoke is an inner city, working class place. It's known as the Potteries because it's famous for all the pottery. So Dalton's and Wedgwood's and Spode and lots of these um, pottery industries, which are much smaller than they ever were. Well, that's where we are, but we're a working class city. Um, I always say that Stoke is full of hobbits. So for those who understand Lord of the Rings, then they'll understand that analogy. Um, in, in the film, for those who don't know it, you know, the hobbits, small people from a little place, no one really took any notice of them. They didn't aspire to great things. They just wanted an easy life. They were hardworking. They liked the land. They were ordinary people. Stoke is full of ordinary people. We, we have significant issues of deprivation. We have significant issues around poverty and debt. So what we've seen over the years is we've seen things have improved and are getting better. But Stoke is a working class area, so we'll never be um, as high up the list as other places. Um, so we've seen improvements and for that we are really grateful. But when you're talking about uh, systemic issues around poverty, around deprivation, those are things that will take generations to change. So we've seen some improvements and we've seen some fantastic answers to prayer. And, and we've seen God, we believe, at the heart of much of the good change that's happened. But, Ian, we've still got a long, long way to go um, yeah. here in sunny Stoke-on-Trent. <laughs> no, thank you for your honesty and humility. Um, what would you say was the main lesson that you've learned over these 20 years, if, 
if, if there is a one or a two? Yeah, I think the main lesson I, I'd say we learned was coming out of um, Jeremiah 29. We, we love Jeremiah 29. We love the passage that says he knows the plans he has for us, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give us a future and a hope. Every time I preach, I often say to congregations, who loves that passage? Has God spoken to you through that passage? And all the hands go up and it's great. And then I say, and let's just check how many of you are fulfilling the condition of that promise? And then many people start to look a bit blank because actually they forget that it was written to people in exile. It feels like the UK has been in exile for the last 12 months because of COVID. But it's written to people in exile who are hiding themselves away and trying to keep themselves um, going and, and keeping their traditions going. Of course, you will know, as lots of people will know, that actually the, the prophetic word is to seek the welfare of the city, pray mm. to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare, you will have welfare. Mm-hmm. And then if you do that, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Yeah. So the plans to prosper come out of a call to come out of your holy huddle, come out of your religious meetings and to bless the city. Mm. And I think that's the, 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 the fundamental thing that we learned that it's great to come together in unity as mates, as Christians. It's great to worship together and celebrate and pray. But God calls us to be salt and light. That's why I'm thrilled that I'm running a charity called Saltbox. <laughs> and and I think the lesson we learned was the call to the city. And, and I think my disappointment is that it's still a minority game and that many churches and, and sadly many church leaders, their focus is primarily their congregation. And they can come to a congregation and, and plow years into a congregation, but never really find the city, never yeah. really find the town, never really get under the under the yeah. belly of, of what's going on around them. So they're faithful in their church and they lead people to Jesus and they help people to be discipled. But that call to bless the city, to bless the conurbation, um, sometimes that can be missed.